Amigos are here, Bill and Stacy, and uh, the caboose on their train, I think. Um, <laughs> Ivy, uh, we'll see. You know, uh, God has surprised them before. But, um, <laughs> but in any case, uh, we're glad to have them here. And so, Bill, if you would open God's Word with us. Good morning, everyone. It's so great to be with you, and especially on the heels of uh, doing communion, celebrating the gospel, and what it's done in our lives. The Jews of old studied the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, the Pentateuch, they called it the Torah, or in the New Testament, talks about the books of Moses. They came to the conclusion after studying it meticulously that there were 613 commands that God had given to us in those first five books. Does anybody know what the very first command that God gave humans is? Joe knows. Be fruitful and multiply. No, this is not an announcement that I'm aware of. God is a multiplying God. You read the first two chapters of the book of Genesis, the very first book of the Bible, and you know what you find? God creates things to reproduce after themselves. God has a joy in multiplication. At the end of each day, he says what? What God created, he saw, and he said what? It is good. At the end of it all, he says it is very good. God created things to multiply, and it's, it's, again, you can laugh at me all you want because um, we, we have seven kids. You might think, well, you ought to know about multiplication, but I'm here to tell you the reason we have that seventh kid is because one day my wife and I were jogging in our neighborhood, and as we jogged past our house... I saw the house, I saw the yard, and I had this really creepy feeling come over me. Have I become too comfortable as a follower of Jesus? I'm here to tell you when I was 19 years old, at 15 I received Jesus as my Savior, but at 19 I was like, put all the chips in. Uh, that's so terrible to use a poker analogy, isn't it? To put, I, so it's like, Lord, I'm so glad you saved me, but I'm done playing this like church thing. I'm all in. At 19, man, I was like, whatever you want to do with my life. And I said this prayer at 19. God, you can do anything you want in my life. What a dangerous prayer. And I thought, this was like eight years ago now, nine years ago, as I ran past my house, I was like, Lord, if you want to send me to Africa, I'm, I'm, we'll go. I mean, I already told my wife. I said, you marry me. I go wherever Jesus goes. You're connected to me. We go. She said, that's fine, but you better make sure it's Jesus, which I just love, don't you? <laughs> I love that's That's a fair, that's a fair, you know, she's tough. And so as I just we walked by, excuse me, we slogged by. It's a slow jog. And... Uh, I looked over, and I was like, Lord, I'm in. Whatever you want. I'll sell this place. We'll go wherever you want us to go. I'm all in for you, and I will take my family wherever you want me to go. It was a few months later. We were jogging past the house, and my wife said quietly, I'm late. I said, I thought we had time to jog. She said, I'm not late that way. <laughs> and immediately, I stopped her, and I looked her in the eyes, and I said, 
this is all my fault. She said, of course it's all your fault. <laughs> and I said, no. We were jogging past the house a couple months ago, and I told the Lord he could do anything he wanted in our lives. And she said, thanks a lot for letting me know. <laughs> so she said, well, maybe it's not. You know, I am getting older, blah, blah, blah. Let's wait and see what happens. So nothing happened. And so we got in the car to go to the doctor. We sat in the room with the doctor, and the doctor checked my wife and looked at me and said, congratulations. My wife and I got tears in our eyes. And I am not joking you because I was like, Lord, I said you could do anything you want in my life. If this is what you have in mind, behold the servants of the Lord. Now I think you know she's probably been the greatest joy in our life. We don't even like the other six kids anymore. <laughs> it's awesome being a grandparent because that's what it feels like. It's awesome. My wife and I got in the car that day. We looked at each other. We were, we were so happy. And I mean this because it's crazy. That's the, my whole life has been crazy. And this is the cherry on top. And here we are in that car, and I look at her and I go, because I know our parents already think we're nuts. Like two unmarried teenagers, I said to her, how are we going to tell our parents about this? And my wife said something even more frightening. How are we going to tell our grown kids about this? Because they don't even think mom and dad are active. You know what I mean? And here we are with the great joy of multiplication. I'm telling you, I wouldn't trade Ivy for anything in the world. She has been so much fun. She might be saving my life in some ways. And uh, we are having a great run at this. And friends, everything I just said about the physical is absolutely true in the spiritual. You know what God loves? Spiritual multiplication. Spiritual multiplication. Let me show you how Jesus does it. You ready? Open your Bibles to John chapter 3. We could have we picked any verses. There's so many places. This is so prevalent. John chapter 3. Boy, thank God for the book of John because John was there at the beginning. And I think John writes his gospel last, my opinion. He writes his gospel last because he sees what's being said and he fills in the gaps. So what you get is a really good introduction to the first year of Jesus' life and ministry and you fill in a lot what was, uh, you know, like the Olivet Discourse. It's amazing. John 14, 15, 16, 17. It's beautiful. Thanks to John, we have this information. But look at John 3, 22. We love John 3, 3. You must be born again. We love John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. I love John 3, 22. Look what it says. After this, Jesus and his disciples went out to a Judean countryside where he spent some time with them. Underline the words if you have your own Bible, not the church Bible. Underline, spent some time with. Because that's Jesus' multiplication disciple-making genius. He's got these, these very unremarkable people around him, these, these guys, these few guys that are around him at this point, and they've, they've asked to follow him. They're John's disciples that have now become Jesus' disciples. And so Jesus says, here's... In order to get this thing to spread, I've got to pull these people close to get time with. Here's what I want you to do. You want to know what time with means in the Greek? Put your hands together for a moment. Okay, put your Bible down. Put your hands together. Go like this. Go, spent some time with. Say that with me. Spent some time with. What are we doing? 
rubbing off on each other, right? Spent some time with. The Greek word here literally means to rub off. What was Jesus doing when he was spending time with his disciples? He was rubbing off his way of life onto the disciples. How good was Jesus at it? Well, in Acts chapter 4, you know what they say? Even after the resurrection, who do these, who do these guys remind us of? And then they took note that they had, quote, been with Jesus. Why? Because Jesus had rubbed off after three and a half years. He had rubbed off his way of life so much so that they said, who else do we know that lives like this? And they said it was Jesus. You know what Christian means? Christian, it means to be little Christ. It means to be people who live like Jesus, that people can associate us with the person of Jesus, right? And that's exactly what happens. Now, a lot of people think, well, you talk about disciple-making multiplication. You know, Jesus waited to the end of Matthew to actually tell us what he was doing, right? But that's not the only time you see Jesus making disciples. Look in John chapter 4. Watch this. Because there are no chapter and verses in the original writings. You know this, right? What happens sometimes is we get some chapter breaks that are very unfortunate in the Bible. I'm not mad about them. I'm grateful for chapters and verses. But I'm just saying, sometimes we break up a thought that should not be broke up. And look what it says. So John 3, 22, Jesus rubs, he begins to rub his way of life onto these people, these disciples. And then look, John 4, 1. The Pharisees heard that Jesus was gaining, or the word there, making, and baptizing more disciples than John. What was Jesus doing from the very beginning? He was making and baptizing disciples. So much so that the previous person that was making disciples, John, he was making more disciples, the Pharisees heard. Well, what are these disciples doing? Are they just sitting there passively while Jesus lectures them? I don't think so. Look what it says, verse 2. Let me go with verse 1. The Pharisees heard that Jesus was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John, although, in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. You see one of the first things Jesus does? He rubs his way way of life on his disciples, and they are no longer passive watchers. Jesus says, boys, you need to get ready, because we're going to start a movement that is going to conquer the world. And it's going to come out of my way of life. It's going to come out of the gospel. And he goes, I want you guys right now to be involved in baptizing these people right now. They do not. They're actually involved in the ministry of it. Go to Acts chapter 6. Let me show you how it looks in Acts. Acts chapter 6, verse 1. This comes right out of, it's in Jerusalem. It's uh, the disciples are in big trouble with the Pharisees again. And uh, they're being told not to speak in the name of Jesus. And, and uh, they, you know, they don't care. They're going to do it anyway. And uh, they put them in jail. They beat them. They do all this stuff. And in and chapter 6, verse 1, in those days when the number of disciples was increasing, the word increasing can be also translated multiplying. In other words, Acts chapter 6 says this, in those days the number of disciples were being multiplied rapidly. That's how one translation puts it. So how does it start? It starts with Jesus, and he pulls people close, and then he helps them help others follow Jesus. I guarantee you, you have this story. I guarantee you, you have this story. So this brings me to my point. I want to go ahead and, this is what I want to to share with you. We haven't made disciples like Jesus until those we disciple 
make more disciples. And our current culture and church in this, in this country is whoever gathers the most followers gets to speak at the conferences. But Jesus doesn't ever gather followers for the purpose of gathering followers. He said, do you remember this? Follow me and I will what? Make you fishers of men. Jesus doesn't have any followers who just follow. They're all in the process of fishing for men. That's multiplication. And that's why 2,000 years later, here we are in Chillicothe, Illinois. And we're talking about a Jewish man who happened to be God as well 2,000 years ago because he made disciples. I don't know what your, your physical or your biological genealogy is. There's some question on mine. But I want you to know this. I have the greatest spiritual genealogy you can ever. I can, chase, I can trace my spiritual genealogy to Jesus himself and the original apostles and the disciples that came from there. How great is that? You can too. And for some reason in our current culture, we've done everything but make disciples who make disciples. We're really good at a lot of stuff, but to be good at the lesser things and to fail at disciple making is the wrong thing. So I want to, I I'm here to challenge us and make us think about, and by the way, can I tell you something? It's happening here at Chillicothe Bible Church. God's already doing it, and he has been, and he's doing it everywhere. So part of the thing is we don't understand how it works. So Joe, would you bring one of your sons up here and just stand on this side of me? I want Joe to stand here. I need a couple other guys to join me over here. Can, would you please? Thank you, Tony. Any, I need one more person over here on my side. And maybe one more person over here on this side and one more person on that side. Very good. All right. All right, so I need, one, I need, I need uh, at least one more person over here. John, you know, thank you, John. All right. It has been my pleasure, and I've always loved the Horn family, especially this guy. Right? I've known him since he's been here. We have had some form of a relationship since his time of coming here. I have grown to love him more because we have spent full days together this last school year studying the life of Jesus about this kind of stuff. So I think, it's, I, I think you need to know Joe and I are disciple-making friends. So when we get together, we study Scripture, we pray together, we have a, another group of friends that we work with, different ministry leaders from all over the central Illinois area, and it's been such a joy to have him in our group, and it's been such a joy to learn from him and to learn with him. But one of the things we also ask each other on a regular basis is, hey, who in your life, that what we, when we learn something together, who are you going to share with? And oh, by the way, I'm on the hook too, because I got to share with my friends too. See how disciple making, it's, it's never look at me at the top. Jesus is the only one at the top, right? He's the, he's the king. We're the servants. So we get together and we go, how's it going in your life? We share our lives. We share the scriptures. We pray together. We bless each other. We try to encourage other people. But So he tells me about somebody in his family, right? One of his, his sons. And I say, well, I have a friend too that is my neighborhood, right? So what happens is when we get together, we are this, and that's D1. Go ahead and put the little thing up there, the little graph up there. D1 is when Joe and I follow Jesus together. When we help someone else follow Jesus and Joe helps someone else follow Jesus, that's D2. Why? Because D1 is disciple-making friendships one generation. When Joe helps somebody and I help someone, then that relationship becomes D2. It's a second generation. 
Now, watch. What we've, if Joe and I get together and we sing Kumbaya and we never have any relation with anybody else, what happens to the movement of disciple-making? It stops. What if we just go one gener- a second generation? We go two generations. It, we have it, and then we share it one generation, but it stops here. Friends, this, are you ready for this? This is why you're very alarmed about what's going on in the world right now. In, a, in this country, we have, have you noticed? We have no spiritual influence. Christians have no spiritual influence in this country. I'm, I mean, and we, you know what we do? We substitute living a way of life. Well, if we could just elect the right person, there is no help coming from any of that. You got to quit putting your trust in a person. The Bible even warns us in the book of Psalms 146, don't put your trust in powerful people. They're going to die. But I'll tell you what, if you and I will quietly love God and love people together, help someone else find and follow Jesus, and then this is the key. This is where the multiplication happens. Because this is addition, right? When we're together and we help someone, that's addition. But when we help our new friend help someone else, come on, you're too far away. We got to get close to you. We (laughs) We need some time with you, right? Now, what I love about this illustration is it starts in your family. It starts in your family. If we don't start there, wow, right? So all of you, if you're a mom, let's call you what you are, a disciple maker. If you're a grandma, let's call you what you are, a disciple maker. If you're a dad, let's call you what you are. You're a disciple maker. If you're a grandpa, you're a disciple maker. We need to embrace this idea. And this is, I, I, I don't have grandkids yet, but this is what they tell me, right, grandparents? I have a lot to look forward to. You know where the greatest joy is? Raising kids. Right, that's really fun, isn't it? Ah, yeah, tell me about it, right? The greatest joy is when they get to the third generation. Am I right, grandparents? Where are you? We know this biologically, But my question to you today is, have you ever experienced it spiritually? Because you're missing out on the greatest joy that you could have. Being friends, sharing that friendship with another generation, and my job isn't done with my friend until he helps someone find and follow Jesus too. Because everybody gets to be, look, a student and a teacher. And that's who we are. And you might think, well, that can't happen here in Chile. It always happens in little communities because we're already tied into each other. And that's how the gospel spreads. Oikos, family, friends, house to house. And that's why I'm here today telling you that God's joy is when we multiply disciple-making friends. Now, one more thing. The writer of Hebrews in chapter 5, verse 12, he is mystified by something with the Christians he's talking to. You know what he's mystified about? He can't get over. How could you guys be such good friends and it, you never told anybody about it? You never shared it this way. You didn't rub Jesus off on other people. He's mystified. So you know what he says? We've got to start all over again because you guys missed it. We didn't do something right with you. Something, you, either you didn't hear it, you're hard to hear, but if you, there are no followers who only follow. Every follower becomes a fisher. We call this D1, D2, And D3, when you get to D3, it multiplies 
And now I want to share stories with you about how that happens. Give it up for my team, though. They did a good job. Thank you. You might think, well, that's great for pastors and preachers. Joe just said he's going to go, you know, multiply uh, preachers and help them preach well. I mean, that's great. What about Joe Blow Me? I'm here in the faith today because of a bartender who received Christ as her Savior. That's how disciple-making works. The regular people like you and me. So I want to show you a picture of a farmer from central Illinois. He just passed away, but I've known him for over 20 years, and he just passed away last year. Just give me a picture. There he is. He's on the left. About 20 years ago, David Van Orman, he, he, uh, I met him at a little place called Valley Chapel. You know I preach in these little places, right? This is Because there are no little places. It's where disciple-making happens. If you've ever been to Capernaum, you know small places is where Jesus does his way. I'm just telling you right now. If you've, he, all these little hamlets is where he's, he goes to. But he changes people's lives. So I was preaching at Green Valley, Valley Chapel, Green Valley, Illinois. It's over by Pekin somewhere. And um, I remember meeting David and Susan Van Orman. And uh, a farmer guy, loved Jesus. And he had heard that uh, in Albania that the... Uh, the regime, the communist regime, the guy had died, the dictator. And Albania had opened up. Remember this when, uh, in the 80s? You know, I mean, back when we were sending missionaries, the, the parts that Russia had previously. But this, this is Albania opened up as well. And so they, they found out, somebody mentioned in church, they need people to go over to Albania to teach them how to farm. David said, I don't know, I don't know how to help people you know, do anything spiritual, but I sur certainly can help people farm. So he went over there, and he fell in love with the village of Valashi. It's a little village, and, um, and he fell in love with the people. And he said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to farm, and then every time I'm not farming, I'm going to be over in Albania with these people because I love these people, and they loved him. And what happened was he got this burden. How can a, some farmer like me help people find and follow Jesus? He didn't think he could do it. So he said, you know what? I, he, because there's a, the language and all this stuff, it's like 70% Muslim. There's a, a lot of issues, right? And, um, and so he said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to start with the next generation. So he said, this is something that I can probably get away with in a 70% Muslim country. We're going to do uh, a kids club, Jesus Kids Club for kids, right? And uh, he said, they'll, they'll be fine. They're, those kids need something to do. And so 20-some years ago, he just began this little thing where it's like CEF, but it wasn't CEF, but it was like CEF, Child Evangelism Fellowship, and they just began to meet with these, with these kids. And guess what happened? Some kids heard the gospel, and they received Jesus Christ as their Savior. Let me show you the next, the next slide. It was, and he asked me, 20, uh, David Van Orman asked me 26 years ago what it was, that if I'd like to come to Albania with him. But I had so many little kids, I'm like, no, I'm not leaving my wife for any of that stuff right now, right? Uh, but so here we go, fast forward. I met this guy, his name is Steve. Um, Steve is in a small church in Delavan, way smaller than this. And um, I heard about Steve before I knew who he was, that he was the pastor of uh, Crosswalk in Delavan. And so Steve... 
people said, you got to meet Steve. You, you talk about disciple-making. Steve always talks about disciple-making. I said, okay, let's, I, I hope I will meet him. So I met him. There he was. He came to one of our trainings one time in, at the Christian Center, and he, and he said, hey, I'm Steve. I heard all about you, Steve. He had these guys, these uh, four guys that were with him, and uh, they, are, they are starting a church in Goofy Ridge, perhaps the biggest meth area in the area. And so I already know Steve's crazy. He sees the hard places, and he runs to them. Who's that remind you of? Jesus. And so, uh, so, so I'm like, I already like this guy. So we start talking. Steve said, do you think I could train some people with this training that you gave me? Yeah, you sure can. And then he, said, then he come back. He said, do you think I could train my church leaders with this? Yeah, you sure can. And they said, do you think I could take my whole church through it? Yeah, you sure can. Then he, then he pulled me aside a few months later, and he said, do you think I could take this training, this side-making training you guys do to Albania? I said, Steve, you're living it. You're living it in your place. You're helping people all over the place do it. Jesus said, make disciples of all nations. This sounds right to me. God bless you. He goes, you want to go? I said, no, because that's my go-to. How about you? No. As soon as I said it, I had a little check in my soul. I said, okay, um, let me pray about it, because that's Christian for no, right? <laughs> that's how you tell people no. I'll pray about it. I was determined not to say anything. So I, I said, when do I got to let you know? He said, you got 60 days. We got to buy the tickets. We got to get over there. I don't have any money. I don't know what we're going to do. So I, I didn't even tell my wife. I was like, Lord, you're going to have to make this happen. We were about 30 days in. She said, hey, I need, a, I need a, a contact from somebody. She starts looking through my phone, which I always welcome my wife to do. She gets to the messages. She's reading through some of my messages. And she says, hey, Steve wants you to go to Albania? I go, yeah, don't worry. I already told him no. She goes, you should go. I'm like, here we go. That's all I needed, and I wasn't going to ask her. I wanted God to do it, and he did. So let me show you the next picture. We took training there, and this gal in the pink, or whatever that is, purple, um, this gal right here is one of the early kids from 20 years ago that received Jesus Christ as her Savior, and guess what? She's on staff now in this little ministry in the same village she grew up with, and now she is, you should see this girl teach the gospel to those kids. What do I see happening here? Disciple makers helping other people find and follow Jesus and helping more people do it. It even is better than this because we were invited to her father's home. His name is Demir. Demir told us this story. He said, when they started this thing 20 years ago, they were very nervous because they were talking about Jesus in the Bible. And my initial response was, as a Muslim, was to say, get out of here. You don't have no right to do this. This is a Muslim country. You need to get out of here. But I talked to my mother, because they all live in the same house there, right? That's kind of what they do in the East there. They're all living. And the mother said, let the kids have their fun. Let the kids learn about Jesus. It ain't going to hurt them, blah, blah, blah. So he backed off. But he said to himself, this is what Demir, and it was all through a translator, by the way. Uh, he said to himself, I'm going to see what they're teaching. So you know what he did? He got a Bible. <laughs> and he's like, I am going to cut this to shreds so that in case my daughter starts bringing this stuff home, I'm just going to. And he started reading the Bible, and he learned about a God who loved him. And he sent his son to die on the cross, and he received Jesus. He was the first adult convert in that little village. That's how it works. That's how all this works. 
And it's all because of a farmer who said, I can go help people farm. Oh, and by the way, I might be able to do a little children's ministry on the side. On the side, right. Friends, that's what God does. That's how he multiplies. That's what he does. Now let me show you another picture. This is the current group we have. See your pastor's smiling face there? Oh, my goodness. This, this is how it works. We find people whose heart wants to not only follow Jesus, but help other people follow Jesus and help them help other people. And when we do that, it multiplies. Our mantra, we haven't made disciples like Jesus, and to those we disciple, make disciples. Got to make more disciples. So let me show you what this looks like on a video, all right? It's a short video. I want you to see what church is when you live a way of life where Jesus rubs off on you and you help someone else and you help them help someone else. Show the video. So, friends, if you ever wonder what Cadre's doing and Allison's busy with, I promise you, I'm going to spend whatever years the Lord gives me making disciples who make disciples who make more disciples. And I want to join you because I know it's already happening here, and I want to celebrate it. But from our hearts, I want to say thank you for your prayers, thank you for your support, and when you invest in Cadre, you're investing in disciple-making multiplication because we haven't made disciples like Jesus until those we disciple make more disciples. Oh, and here's what we could do. If we ended right now, you'd be like, cool story. Cool. But you know I'm not going to let you off the hook like that, right? Because I came here to, to encourage you and to challenge you. So the question is, so what? 
It's my favorite question. We had a sermon. So what? Jesus loves multiplication. So what? Well, now I'm talking to you. Where you're living this, celebrate it. Because it's already here. Where you can move toward it, I challenge you to move toward it. So let me give you a simple place to start. A very simple. I want to, I'll give these to you. I'll keep giving these to you. I'll stand out there. I got a little card for you. Let me show you the card. It's called the Disciple Maker's Prayer. Let me ask you this. You might think, I could never be a person who makes disciples, who makes disciples. Makes disciples. Are you kidding? I understand. So this is why I want you to start with your prayer. Okay, how many of you can pray? I challenge you. I invite you. I dirty double dog dare you. To pray the disciple maker's prayer. You know why? It comes from these seven passages of scripture. See them? Right out of the Bible. For God's heart for multiplication. You got your grandkids with you? Pray it over them. You got your kids before you pray it? Before they send them off to school? Pray this over them. I want to challenge you at night to pray. I want to challenge you to pray the disciple maker's prayer because you know what? Everything in life and ministry pulls us off this. There's always something shiny to coming down the road that we look at. And then, it, then we don't live like this. This is the only way I know how to keep myself on track to do the main thing because my life becomes about lesser things because it's busyness. So I challenge every one of you, pray it together as a couple. Pray it together by yourself. That didn't make sense. Pray it by yourself. Pray it with other people. Pray it with your family. Pray it in your Sunday school. Pray it in your youth group, Josh. Pray it, pray it everywhere you go. I want to challenge you to pray it every day until you have it memorized. And one of the things I want you to do is just, for the next seven days, here's my challenge to you. Look up one of those verses and try to find it in the prayer and say the prayer. Look up one of those verses, find it in the prayer, say the prayer. I challenge you to do it. How practical is that? Will you? I'd say about 40% of you if I'm lucky. I'm not trying to be mean, but I am a realist. And I'd love you to prove me wrong. No, I dirty double dog dare you to prove me wrong. I want to pray this in closing, and I know the worship band's going to lead us out. The only thing I want to point out as we pray this is the ad infinitum. See it there at the bottom line? Does anybody know what ad infinitum is? It's Latin for to infinity and beyond. You should watch Toy Story because that's what it means, to infinity and beyond, until the whole world knows. Let me read it for you, and then we'll pray it. Heavenly Father, thank you for giving me a disciple-making way of life in Christ Jesus. That comes out of 1 Corinthians chapter 4. As I go through every part of this day, help me to love you and love the people who cross my path, starting with my family. Don't let me miss the adventures you're sending my way to live and speak the good news about Jesus today. Now watch. Draw my heart to you and to specific people, neighbors, coworkers, friends, family, to specific people you want me to pull close for Jesus-like disciple-making friendships. By your word and spirit, transform me into a follower of Jesus who loves you, loves people, and makes disciples who make more disciples. Ad infinitum. Or you could say ad infinitum. I don't care. In Jesus' name, amen. Before we pray that, let me point one thing out that you have with you. The church was graciously to put this with the bulletins. I want you to grab this little prayer letter. 
would you please read this, thank God, and continue to pray for us? And if you look on this page where Stacy and Ivy and I are, the three amigos are, there's all, Joe wants to know if you'll email him and, and uh, be on his prayer team. I hope you will. But I have an email prayer team too. I'd love to let you know what God's doing about every other week, twice a month. All you got to do is email me. And uh, you can find me on social media. There's all these different places. I'd love to keep you abreast of what God is doing as he uses us for his glory and the extension of his kingdom. Will you pray with me? From your heart, if you can. Heavenly Father, thank you for giving me a disciple-making way of life in Christ Jesus. As I go through every part of this day, help me to love you and love the people who cross my path starting with my family. Don't let me miss the adventures you are sending my way to live and speak the good news about Jesus today. Draw my heart to you and to specific people you want me to pull close for Jesus-like disciple-making friendship. By your word and spirit, transform me into a follower of Jesus who loves you, loves people, and makes disciples who make more disciples, ad infinitum, in Jesus' name, amen.